0: This free program is paid for by the listeners of Redwood Community Radio. If you're not already a member, please think of joining us. Thank you. This free program is paid for by the listeners of Redwood Community Radio. If you're not already a member, please think of joining us. Thank you. This free program is paid for by the listeners of Redwood Community Radio. If you're not already a member, please think of joining us. Thank you. Probably including chemtrails. Tune in and call in this Sunday at 1.30 PM to Edge of the Herd. Keep your heads up. And support for Kmud comes in part from Golden Dragon Medicinal Syrup, an anti-inflammatory, antifungal, antibacterial, antioxidant medicine made without heat or ice. Golden Dragon Medicinal Syrup is organic, edible, topical, cosmetic, and water soluble. Information is available at Golden Dragon Medicinal Syrup at gmail.com and by phone at 707 223 1539. And as always, the views and opinions expressed throughout the broadcast day are those of the speakers and not necessarily those of the station, its staff, or underwriters. Time will be made available for other viewpoints. Thank you for joining us. And, you know, for the record, that was not my view. They made me say that, and I think that is the one thing that the station does have as its own view, is that the views are yours. Anyway, here comes Ask Your herb Doctor.
1: Welcome to this month's Ask Your Herb Doctor. My name's Andrew Murray.
2: My name's Sarah Johannesson Murray.
1: Uh, For those of you who perhaps have never listened to our shows, which run every third Friday of the month from 7 till 8 p.m., we are both licensed medical herbalists who trained in England and graduated there with a degree in herbal medicine. We run a clinic in Garberville where we consult with clients about a wide range of conditions, And we manufacture all our own certified organic herbal extracts, which are either grown on our CCF certified herb farm or which are sourced from other USA certified organic suppliers. So you're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor on KMUD Kiabavool, 91.1 FM. And from 7.30 until the end of the show at 8 o'clock, you're invited to call him with any questions either related or unrelated to this month's mixed topic of uh, hormone replacement therapy, estrogen Uh, along with the inflammatory effects of estrogen, as well as some other popularly accepted hormones like serotonin, melatonin, and 5-HTP, so we can discuss the roles of those particular materials in our bodies and why they're not actually that good for us. So, uh, once again, uh, we're very pleased to be joined by Dr. Rapey, who will be sharing his research and knowledge uh, surrounding these topics. Uh, The number here, if you live in the area, is 923 Three nine one one, or if you live outside the area, the toll free number is one eight hundred KMUD Red. That's one eight hundred five six eight three seven two three. We can also be reached toll free on one eight 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 WBM for further questions during normal business hours, Monday through Friday. So uh, science, uh, whilst responsible for many excellent breakthroughs, is unfortunately subject to the same scandals that beset many excellent thoughts. Uh, While studying physiology myself, I, like many others, uh, was subject to what I now understand as an indoctrination, if you will, into an erroneous state of pseudo-fact, and that uh, one of those things was the receptor model uh, used in physiology, uh, with one particular hormone, uh, namely estrogen, which will be the subject partly at least of tonight's uh, um, discussion with Dr. Pete, uh, this being a perpetrator of much to see on the behalf of uh, Big Pharma. Uh, why was HRT so promoted and how did the truth behind estrogen effects get so covered up? Well, this question and many other answers will be opened up in tonight's Ask Your Doctor, including the facts surrounding the uh, melatonin-serotonin-5-HT craze. So uh, thank you once again, Dr. Pete, for joining us on the show. Okay. Uh, Again, as always, uh, we always get comments from people after the show. Uh, I know a lot of people that listen to this show uh, have either emailed us or contacted us uh, regarding information uh, that you've been uh, sharing and how they can uh, get hold of more information so they can be a little bit better informed. Now, um, as usual, some people will have tuned into the show and maybe may have never heard of you. Would you just uh, open up uh, with your background, your scientific background?
3: Okay. Uh, As a kid, I was interested in science, but I would read old medical books and encyclopedias and such, and I very early got the impression that uh, education was largely indoctrination, and... uh, Uh, I found that literature as an undergraduate was a a field where I could see the actual evidence, the material that we were studying uh, without interpretation of the professors. So um, it was uh, years and years later that I finally decided to go to graduate school in science when I realized that I could uh, get through it without uh, having to... uh, fight with the professors. I could just uh, be quiet and uh, do what I wanted to do. So uh, I enrolled at the University of Oregon in the biology department uh, starting as specializing in nerve biology. I was interested in how the brain uh, could do things like handling language and images and such. And I saw that the uh, the whole direction of the uh, brain biology was uh, t- towards um, a very reductionist computer analogy. And uh, looking around the department, I saw that the other end of the organism, the, the reproductive physiology, uh, was much more scientific. And um, so I shifted over to that specialization. And uh, my professor, uh, would uh, if I would get unusual results, would say, well, if it's repeatable, just go ahead. But in the n- nerve biology section, if I, the results or the interpretation were a little off, it really uh, you had to throw away the evidence.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay with well that word indoctrination I think is a very good point to uh, a very good place rather to start tonight's uh, expose um, I know the um, gosh the, the, the scandal surrounding HRT that was uh, kind of revealed as it were mainstream uh, not too long ago uh, is a very good place to begin uh, tonight's talk in terms of indoctrination and the models that were so popular then and probably still are now uh, when i was studying the whole receptor ligand uh, interaction was just dogmatic and um, a particular compound elicited a particular effect when it was bound to a an enzyme or to a cell that surrounding estrogen the estrogen receptor um, you you actually have a uh, very good understanding of the background enzymatically uh, how it was before it was taken over by uh, and unfortunately I know it sounds it's another it's another conspiracy as it were but it's the truth in terms of uh, pre-1940s with the enzyme the people studying enzyme interactions were then effectively taken over by big pharma and corporate uh, manufacturer for want of uh, increase from their products, and the whole estrogen receptor is a bit of a, 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 bit of a, uh, a non-entity, I understand.
3: Um, yeah, it was 1970 when I uh, was working on my dissertation, and I was studying <coughs> the metabolism of the uterus in aging animals and uh, trying to understand why uh, in middle age infertility came about. And uh, the particular metabolic studies that I was doing uh, corresponded to increased estrogenic stimulation with aging. Okay. And uh, that led me, since all of the current textbooks in the 1960s were saying that uh, menopause is uh, when the ovaries uh, wear out and stop <laughs> producing estrogen. uh, So I read way back to uh, about 1900 and and up to the 1940s and 50s, and I saw there was a sudden change in 1942, all through the 1930s, when my thesis advisor uh, was a student into the 1940s. Mm -hmm. Um, His uh, thesis advisor was uh, Richard Landau, who was later at the uh, University of Washington Medical School. And uh, uh, Soderwal and Blandau were uh, among the people who were uh, studying the effects of excess estrogen on the uterus, and they showed that uh, it, w- if you gave a, a greater dose, increasing amounts of estrogen caused miscarriage at earlier and uh, The the smallest dose would would cause miscarriage at a very early stage. And if you waited until very late in the pregnancy, it would take a bigger dose. Mm -hmm. But it was a very continuous uh, graded effect in which the estrogen slight excess would would be sufficient to kill the uh, developing embryo. Mm -hmm. And this was going on all through the... Uh, late 1930s into the 1940s, and uh, the uh, hormones of the ovary were identified in the mid-1930s as uh, the very um, major substance produced in the ovary was progesterone, Mm. and estrogen was a minor substance. But it turned out that uh, other people doing research on how estrogen worked at this time Saw that soot, uh, just put a, a spoon in a, a candle flame and then uh, extract it in a solvent. Mm-hmm. You could get uh, hundreds of different estrogenic substances out of wow. just soot, wow. and this was wonderful for the drug industries because everyone could find <laughs> an estrogen to patent. But there was only one natural progesterone, and so that was a not a viable drug. Mm -hmm. Uh, because no one had a patent on it so by 1942 uh, the 13 major uh, estrogen companies had their uh, synthetic estrogens and the the situation scientifically was that estrogen uh, caused infertility it was associated with aging Mm -hmm. Uh, but since they had products they said, here we have the female hormone, and being female means being able to have babies. Mm-hmm. And so estrogen must be what causes women to have babies. <laughs> and uh, they wanted to sell it for some, uh, some um, popular use so they could sell it to millions mm-hmm. of women. Mm-hmm. And uh, they came up with the idea that it would prevent miscarriage, even though the science said the opposite. And uh, they got a, a team, man and, and wife, at Harvard to uh, promote the idea of still diethylsilbestrol, TES. TES,
2: mm-hmm. uh, which is just awful.
3: Yeah, th- that it would prevent uh, miscarriages. And so they, uh, they were prescribing it for years uh, to women to prevent miscarriage and to make a healthier baby and so on. Mm-hmm. And it turned out... Uh, well, uh, probably they never would have uh, had to stop selling it, even though it was causing cancer and, and deformity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, um, about the same time it was getting recognized that DES causes cancer and doesn't uh, prevent miscarriage, but actually increases the risk, um, they were getting interested in a new project to sell to even more women, the birth control pill. So uh, when they decided that uh, the time was right uh, in the 1940s uh, they didn't want their drug company known as the abortion uh, <laughs> producer but by 1959 or 60 abortion was becoming or uh, contraception was becoming acceptable but still abortion was uh, a taboo Mm -hmm. So they invented a story saying that if you take estrogen, it will uh, suppress your body's estrogen and prevent miscarriage uh, by lowering your estrogen. And so they um, came out with the uh, contraceptive so-called abortion pill, uh, just as it was recognized that DES was causing miscarriages and cancer. So they lost one product but uh, immediately came out with another falsified story mm. to uh,
1: sell the birth control pills mm-hmm. in terms of the uh the dogma behind receptor uh physiology the the what is the truth behind um whether or not Estrogen binds to a specific receptor and and, uh, the lies surrounding the so-called science that was produced in order to support the estrogen industry.
3: Um, These people who were doing the real science uh, were trying to explain why estrogen had these toxic effects. And they saw that uh, natural estrogen was imitated by these polycyclic uh, aromatic hydrocarbons in soot Mm-hmm. which were famous and recognized as carcinogens, and estrogen was known to be carcinogenic. And so they were studying the properties of uh, soot and estrogen uh, and finding that given estrogenic properties, uh, the substance was also uh, tended to produce inflammation and cancer, uh, very close association electronically in the nature of the molecule and these were uh, activating enzyme systems in particular ways according to the exact uh, uh, nature of that uh, inflammatory carcinogenic estrogenic uh, electronic configuration and uh, this was uh, reaching a, a peak in the 1950s and the government Uh, moved uh, some of their investment from chemical warfare into endocrine research. Uh, The uh, opinion of of many people is that the intention was to uh, use it uh, for population control. Uh, The Nazis had been using estrogen on uh, people in slave camps and such. But the U.S. government got very interested in estrogen after the Second World War, and uh, that they gave a big grant to a, a group uh, who, uh, it, it's a, an ongoing uh, tradition of, of a group associated with University of Chicago, uh, Michigan, and Lawrence uh, Livermore uh, Radiation Lab, mm-hmm. and UC Berkeley. Uh, the the um, project that was funded for uh, Elwood Jensen, who uh, was the leader of it, um, he had been working in chemical warfare and uh, wanted to uh, create a new idea for how estrogen uh, worked that would not involve all of this interesting chemistry, which mm-hmm. uh, explained estrogen was a a very intense toxin carcinogen Mm -hmm. he wanted to say that all it does is activate the female genes (laughs) that uh, women are characterized by having a uterus and breasts and the um, function of these is um, governed by their genes their female genes and these genes are activated in their particular organs by uh, estrogen somehow uh, turning a switch that would only activate those female genes Mm -hmm. and not involve all of this nasty chemistry of of cancer and inflammation but
2: Mm -hmm. they knew that soot caused cancer in the late eighteen hundreds from the chimney sweeps
3: but that was exactly what uh, Jensen wanted people to forget by saying (coughs) just forget all of this enzymology and chemistry that people have been working on, which in such uh, elegant ways showed the similarities of of, uh, the carcinogens and estrogens. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he wanted to say that it's like a lock and key. Uh, The female organs have a very specific lock, and the estrogen is a key that sticks only into that lock. And uh, so it,
2: estrogen it, receptors are now known to be found all throughout the body, right? And in men. And in men.
3: Yeah, there you go. Uh, but um, uh, no one was, at that time, the real science was thinking of the uh, whole cell and the whole organism as the responsive unit right. to things like estrogen. Right. But Elwood um, uh, Jensen would. Uh, he was arguing that there was just one little switch molecule in the cell which would neatly turn on only the uh, female genes, and and so it wouldn't uh, have the possibility of any of these other actions. Uh, the Defense Department funded, well, Atomic Energy Commission uh, gave him permission to use Uh, radioactive isotopes and supplied the isotopes Okay. and uh, other labs uh, his competition didn't have either the grants or the isotopes they were very tightly controlled by the Mm -hmm. atomic energy commission Mm -hmm. and he uh, labeled estrogen and uh, found that it concentrated in organs like the, the uterus and Uh, Since the enzymologists were saying that it affects the whole energy system of the organism and the cell, uh, changing the oxidation reduction processes uh, and participating in the chemistry of the cell, he labeled uh, two different kinds of estrogen, uh, put labels in two different places, and uh, added... Them to the to the uterine tissue, and said that there was no interchange between the two. There were no oxidative reactions mm-hmm. per, in which estrogen participated, and he published that. I think it was 1962, and that uh, the um, enzymologists had been. Uh, the whole thing was based on estrogen participating as a, a chemical mm-hmm. reactant, and he had the only means by which to demonstrate what he claimed. So his opponents didn't didn't have the grants or the isotopes to challenge that.
2: To disprove it, because the research up until that point had been showing yeah. that estrogen causes cancer, but and they the drug companies after 1942 wanted to sell the oral contraceptive pill. They wanted to sell DES, which is... Known to cause cancer for generations later and the babies of the mothers who took it, and, and now HRT. So we're talking about three different majorly used drugs that they knew caused cancer, and doctors are still prescribing them today.
3: And some of the particular enzymes involved in cancer and estrogen function were well known uh, to the enzymologists, but. Uh, uh, Elwood Jensen's group said no they they don't uh, he used the fancy isotope uh, demonstration to say no they don't participate they're they're not oxidized and reduced but uh, ten or fifteen years later uh, after the receptor dogma had been imposed on the world of biology mm-hmm. uh, other people started using isotopes and showing that yes the Older enzymologists were exactly right. Uh, estrogen does participate as a catalyst in enzyme reactions, especially transhydrogenation reactions that, that connect energy production to gene turnover and cell growth and so on.
2: So that's how it initiates cancer cells?
3: Yeah. It, it allows the energy to be uh, short-circuited over into the growth rather than the function Mechanism.
2: So the cell, the cell stops functioning and doing its normal cellular functioning and just the estrogen turns on the cell growth yeah. Uh, processes. Yeah,
3: it drains the energy right out of function into growth.
2: Very scary. Hmm.
1: Okay, one sec. Uh, You're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor on KMUD Garberville 91.1 FM. Uh, From 7.30 until the end of the show at 8 o'clock, you're invited to call in with any questions either related or unrelated to this month's topic or mixed topics of estrogen, um, DHT, serotonin, uh, and those hormones that are particularly bandied around uh, by doctors and the mainstream as being helpful and beneficial uh, when, in fact, the science is there. Quite clearly, to say the op- opposite, and uh, we are very privileged to be joined by Dr. Raymond Pete, who has many years of uh, research under his belt, uh, to just tell us all about it so uh, dr Pete again i 'm interested about the because um, I know that i 've mentioned this in the past, and I think you brought it up on one of the previous uh, shows about water water h two o as we know it is not just straightforward water, and uh, i I w- read uh, some alchemical treatise about um, the way they would capture lightning water or water that was uh, subjected to, to um, fallout during storms and how this water was energetically more uh, active and that actually modern science has shown that H2O exists in many different states and there is a very different uh, mechanism by which water can act Cellularly, cellularly or intracellularly and um, I'm interested The uh, from, a, from a point of view of what we're talking about now with estrogen involved in uh, redox reactions um, h- how, that, how, how, how that actually comes out in terms of uh, its cancer, cancer promoting
3: well the um, fastest change that you can see in a cell uh, within a minute or two of um, exposing it to estrogen is that it instantly starts taking up water and as it takes up water uh, the water gets out of the cell's control and that's part of this uh, short-circuiting of the energy process Uh, the uh, microtubules that are an organizing uh, force in the cell that lets it do the the work it's supposed to uh, these are depolymerized in the presence of estrogen and disorganized And uh, that's part of the the cancer problem that the cell uh, can't communicate from one part to the other because the uh, microtubules are messed up. And uh, the division process even can reach the point where it can't uh, separate the chromosomes evenly and then you get Mm -hmm. uh, imbalance of chromosomes Mm -hmm. making the the cancer uh, degenerate. Um, the, the, the water is um, the, um, it's normally under control of adjoining surfaces so that it's very unlike bulk water but in the presence of estrogen it, it becomes uh, bulk-like mm-hmm. so that uh, one of my experiments at the university was to uh, put an old uterus, a young uterus and an estrogen-treated uterus in an MRI machine, and uh, uh, we could show that the uh, old uterus and the uh, estrogen-treated uterus had loose water, uh, disorganized water, mm-hmm. uh, that could be distinguished from the young, healthy uterus.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, it's coming up close to seven thirty, so I just want to let people know that uh, from any time on, uh, people are welcome to call in uh, with questions related or unrelated to this month's show. Um, so far as um, other hormones are concerned, the whole um, the whole hormone replacement therapy. Uh, just give me your opinion of the of the HRT effects and and, uh, and why why uh, it was it was uh, eventually. Uh, taken out
3: well when the um
1: well, it's still
2: uh, not taken out well, people still uh, it's, uh,
1: in england it's, uh, it's not as popular of, yeah in england there's a big uh, kind of backlash against it but um,
3: the industry uh, succeeded so greatly in turning science completely upside down in the case <laughs> of estrogen that that took a lot of other hormones with it mm-hmm. uh, uh, progesterone was suppressed and ignored because it would uh, cure the things that estrogen was claimed to cure and actually caused.
1: And it couldn't be patented, as you said.
3: Yeah, (laughs) and and, uh, prolactin uh, had many toxic effects that were uh, well-recognized, but since estrogen increases prolactin, there was a great pressure not to think very much about what it means that prolactin uh, causes bone loss. And contributes to osteoporosis, but it wasn't uh, popular to think of the, the fact that estrogen increases prolactin. <laughs> and uh, uh, serotonin is another thing that has been uh, strongly influenced by this inverted interpretation of estrogen because uh, estrogen increases exposure to serotonin. Serotonin is Uh, one of the means by which estrogen increases prolactin. Mm -hmm. And uh, serotonin uh, does uh, many of the harmful things that uh, estrogen and prolactin do, including a direct uh, cause of bone loss. Uh, People who take the uh, fluoxetine type of of, um, antidepressants are seen to have a lot of premature bone loss right. uh, because of the excess exposure to serotonin mm-hmm. and the associated prolactin. And uh, the, the um, serotonin is in a way uh, kind of a cofactor for estrogen. Uh, estrogen increases prolactin or serotonin systemically, mm-hmm. and estrogen uh, serotonin in turn increases the production of of estrogen. Uh, So when one gets out of control they both tend to become uh, dominant. And serotonin is involved in the inflammations produced by estrogen.
2: Well we're all told that serotonin is the feel good hormone and and give
1: you SSRIs to make
2: Yeah, they give (laughs) you the antidepressant selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors so you can feel better.
1: So it's more present in and so it's
2: just the same Uh, brainwashing they're trying to do to us like they did with the estrogen, saying estrogen prevents bone loss when actually it causes bone loss. So Um, serotonin helps your depression and, and in fact, has all these negative side effects of increased bone loss, uh, increased uh, estrogen levels, increased your risk of cancer.
3: um, Yeah, um, one of the uh, currently uh, uh, bad... um, effects of, of serotonin excess that is getting some recognition, even though in 19, the 1950s all of the bad features of serotonin were recognized in a disease uh, involving tumors in the intestine that produce too much uh, serotonin. But uh, in just the last two or three years, uh, the um, uh, hypertension of the pulmonary artery is being seen to be caused by uh, serotonin and the drugs that increase serotonin uh, increase this pulmonary hypertension and uh, degeneration of the uh, valves in the right side of the heart. Uh, This was known in the 1950s as as uh, the main deadly complication of having that serotonin-producing tumor. But uh, finally, 60 years later, it's um, being recognized Is a, it? as a way to uh, treat uh, pulmonary hypertension by using anti-serotonin drugs.
1: Yeah. Gosh. Okay, we do actually have a caller on the line, Dr. Pete. So. Um, yes.
3: Um,
4: um, I sometimes have a tendency toward depression, and uh, I like to, to do more natural things when I can and stay away from the, the hard drugs when I can. So I resisted trying to do. like, my- no, after Prozac or any of that. But I was told by um, some nature doctors to t- try 5-HTP. Matter of fact, I was told for another couple of people that I inquired that had depression, and they said that this 5-HTP was something natural that would help you use your own serotonin better and be more like kind of a natural Prozac. Now, are you telling me that that is not good for you? That that's going to make you either make more? Does it make you help you make more serotonin or utilize what you have better?
3: Uh, The Prozac-type drugs uh, keep the uh, platelets and nerve cells from binding and keeping serotonin out of the way. And so they lead to overexposure to um, the serotonin. Are
4: you familiar with 5-HTP? That's what you get at the health food store. That's supposed to be like an amino acid? or
3: Yeah. Plain tryptophan is uh, bad enough but the 5-hydroxy-tryptophan uh, is one step closer to being serotonin.
4: So you think that it's not good for me to
3: take it? Um, everything that I know suggests that, uh, for example, there's increased risk of breast cancer and obesity and uh, many bad effects.
4: How can it how could it increase obesity?
3: Um, by slowing metabolism and suppressing thyroid, five
4: HTP does that.
3: The, the um, antidepressants.
4: Well, no, I don't mean the. I don't mean like Prozac. I'm just talking about five HTP. The oh. it's an amino acid. The well, it, it hasn't been
3: studied as much as the antidepressants, but it, it works to raise your serotonin.
2: It's basically providing you the precursor, and your body makes more serotonin out of it. So the effects of serotonin in excess are in going to be increasing estrogen, which slows your liver's metabolism. That can slow your thyroid down. That can lead to obesity. It can promote it, by increasing estrogen. It can promote cancer. And Again, it
4: says it elevates your mood. <laughs> well, you have to you have to
2: weigh it up. It might make you elevate your mood, but you also risk these other things. I mean, they used to give X rays to help with psoriasis and rheumatoid arthritis. Oh, whoops the daisy. Uh sorry you got cancer. My aunt had uh a lot of x-ray treatment for her acne on her back and she had a terrible form of breast cancer and, which turned into bone cancer and she died in, at the age of 50.
4: Well, I certainly don't want to slow my metabolism or my thyroid down or any of that. Um, uh, i you know, I've I'm, I'm done with the menopause thing, so I figure my est- estrogen has balanced itself out and I've never taken the replacement. It seems like he's not talking about how it became so outrageously popular for pe- women with menopause. The little pink pills, the HRT, the, you know, hormone replacement therapy that everybody was taking because they didn't like having hot flashes. And... uh uh, you know, other things that went ag- with, you know, mood swings and menopause symptoms. But yeah. my approach was that it was a natural occurrence, and it, it, so it didn't really need to be medically changed. I didn't feel I had a symptom that, needed, that was bad enough that I needed medical intervention. Maybe I was just lucky and I had mild symptoms, although I did have a lot of hot flashes. But it was only the last maybe... Hmm, maybe four or five years that it's been suggested that I take this 5-HTP as if it was like on I mean, I, I, you know, I don't need to increase my serotonin if it's going to slow down my thyroid and up my estrogen and be bad for my heart valve. That's right. <laughs> so um, that's all the things that uh, he said uh, it did, right?
2: Yeah, and it's not, <clears throat> uh, again, because Dr. P has spent his life researching things, and doing research on the even the articles, is this faulty science? Is this promoted by a drug company who did this research? When he says that it's not him saying that as though, as though it's his own opinion, yeah, he's adopted that opinion from researching the um, evidence. Okay, That's well I what just causes
4: think, it. You know, i just wanna say again that I'm not talking about the Prozac of his and the past or the uh, pharmaceutical uh, serotonin drugs. I'm specifically talking about 5-HTP, which you get at the health food store, which where it seems like it's this benign thing that can't hurt you. Yeah,
5: I know, but it's, but it's all benign. part.
2: It's all part of the same system. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Prozac might increase your serotonin to a much higher degree than taking 5-HTP, uh-huh. but it's all working on that same system. And if it, if a little bit is uh, that the body naturally produces in the bowel, because your bowel wall naturally produces serotonin, if a little bit is stimulating uh, inflammation and degeneration, then you wouldn't want to increase that even through natural means.
4: Yeah, so I should probably do without it and see if my food is okay anyway and just uh, have a stiff upper lip, right?
1: Yeah, sounds like, <laughs> sounds like a good idea. All right, thank you. <coughs> thank you. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, what comes out time and time again is that the uh, short term um, is certainly, certainly uh, not worth the price of uh, the long-term sequelae of uh, disease processes. Um, and I think most people, <coughs> I think us, us all included, we only really see the short-term unless we uh, delve into the facts. Well, and it's
2: just like with fish oils and people's inflammation.
6: Right.
2: Mm-hmm. It can relieve inflammation to some degree, but you also run the risk of suppressing your immune system and damaging your liver in the meantime. So it's it's so a risk. I think what, what gets brought out
1: more and more risk is that the uh, long-term that risks the are certainly certainly very evident, very prevalent, and that uh, people. What we're doing here uh, with this show and uh, other previous shows is just highlighting the long-term risks, and so unfortunately. Um, most people don't understand the long-term risks and only the short-term gain is i think what fuels most people's desires to be on certain drugs um but there is a lot of long-term risk associated with it and i think dr pete's uh, doing an excellent job of bringing these facts out because it's already there in in terms of science sh- articles okay there's okay. two two more callers on the line hello hi you're on the air hi hi dr pete
5: this is wonderful um I've, uh, I've talked to you before and I've, I've gotten completely off of my serotonin reuptake inhibitors and I wanted to say that I read um, a bunch of articles on your site and I have to tell you that one effect of stopping taking these uh, Prozac and these serotonin things what, is that I've now been able to stop taking, using um, steroids in an inhaler, my asthma has gone away completely. All right, well done. And um, I just wanted to make sure that I read your website right because I think you said there that it does relate, serotonin does relate to asthma. And nobody ever told me that, but I'm completely off my inhaler. And um, it's only been a month. So I just wanted to tell you that and ask a question about that. Uh,
3: Yeah, it, it does several things related to asthma. Um, estrogen is related to asthma, too, and uh, the um, effect of the serotonin is to cause localized contraction of the, um, the, the tubes in your lungs, as well as uh, causing them to take up water and uh, uh, promote some inflammation. But the contraction is the the thing that's best studied in connection with asthma.
5: Well thank you so much. That's really that's really interesting because it it went away within like four I mean four weeks. I was off of the I wasn't having the breathing problems. I just the first few the first week or so I coughed up a lot of liquid but then after that it just quit. So Anyway, thank you very much, and I'm going to keep reading your website for articles. Thank you. That's
2: great. You coughed out the asthma.
5: <laughs> I don't know what I coughed out, but I just I coughed up a lot of fluid for like a week. But after that, it just cleared up, and I stopped using the inhaler, and I'm not using mm. it anymore. And I'm I'm just really grateful.
6: Yeah, fantastic. Um, news. Get,
5: getting off the serotonin was painful mm-hmm. but um after i'm i'm you know i'm off of it now for almost two months so i i have to be i'm very grateful so thank you for the information and thank Fantastic. you for your
2: call
1: yeah good well there we go that's another another glaring example of what we hear frequently um so yeah if you want to listen to dr the uh, truth is out there if you open your ears okay there's another caller
7: Hey, hello.
4: Uh, I came in a little bit late to the discussion, but I haven't really heard mention of the three different types of estrogen in our bodies. They have a hugely disparate impact on our bodies, and I think that that's really germane to this conversation. So um,
7: please inform us of that. Thanks.
3: Um, uh, There are probably a dozen uh, important types of estrogen, but um, almost all of them... uh, The the three main types, uh, estriol, estrone, and estradiol, uh, those are the best known and have been used as drugs. Uh, Those all have pretty much the same effects, but just at different potencies, uh, so that um, if you can turn your uh, most potent estradiol into the others, uh, you're protected against some of the... Uh, most toxic effects of of estrogen. um, During pregnancy, enzymes are detoxifying estrogen by by many different routes, but uh, the uh, index of a healthy pregnancy is when the estriol is high because that means you're destroying your estradiol uh, very quickly.
2: So the estradiol is the most dangerous form, and that's usually what I recommend women have tested to make sure their most dangerous form is not too high
3: and um, these different forms are exactly uh, the um, issue that Elwood Jensen denied happened he said uh, estradiol can't turn into estrone and estriol Uh, but in fact that's a major way of, of either activating or inactivating estrogen according to the cells energy system
2: so the only reason you'd want high estrile is because that would tell us that the estradiol is being detoxified not that high estrile in itself is protective in any way shape or form
3: yeah it's about ten times weaker Mm -hmm. than Mm -hmm. estrogen so every little bit of of estradiol that you turn to estriol it's a, a down down stepping of your estrogen effect
1: Okay, so good. I'm
2: not sure that's the answer that lady was looking
1: for. but um, Okay, well, there's two more callers on the line, so uh, are you on the air?
4: Hi. Um, uh, thank you so much for having me on show. It's really interesting. Um, I had a question about uh, modern uh, birth control methods and your opinion of them in terms of how fake they are, things such as is the pill or the, the ring and just in terms of I know that those still have levels of estrogen, and do you recommend those as safe uh, contraceptives, or do you think that those are still dangerous to your health? And and I can take my question off the air.
7: Thank you.
3: Um, the tremendously decreased the amount of estrogen in the contraceptives, but if it's strong enough to kill the embryo, it's (laughs) uh, it's strong enough to do some damage to the woman. And uh, about 30 years ago, uh, there was quite a bit of agitation among women's groups for FDA approval of the traditional cervical cap, which uh, the, the ideal uh, thing was made uh, by a, a metal worker or a dentist with a, a metal casting outfit. Uh, they would use a, a dental uh, mold making material to get an exact impression of the cervix, and then they would cast silver or gold or, or some uh, inactive metal uh, in the shape of the cervix. And it would form a vacuum seal, and it could be used, uh, could be left in place weeks at a time. Uh, and the um, under the pressure from the women's groups, the FDA gave its approval to a rubber so-called cervical cap, which is, uh, was actually shaped more like a baby bottle's nipple wh- with a huge uh, projection uh, chamber on the end, which was supposed to be filled with spermicidal goo. Oh, gosh. Uh, and that immense uh, uh, structural projection caused it to, almost instantly be uh, displaced, and, and so they were terribly unsuccessful. It was just like a way of inserting a spermicidal cream or, or jelly. Um, but the the FDA approved that, but wouldn't approve the one that actually worked, right. because uh, I think it was because they were simply working for the... Uh, contraceptive pill industry.
2: And then as far as the IUD, they now have IUDs that have hormone, that secrete a small amount of hormone inside the uterine uh, cavity. So that would be the similar situation.
3: Um, yeah, the um, the signal from inside the uterus uh, travels through nerves and other conduction up the fallopian tube to prevent the ovary from uh, producing the amount of progesterone that it should. Hmm. So any kind of IUD with or without hormones will create a, a hormonal imbalance, which is what is the main thing accounting for the uh, prevention of pregnancy.
2: And, and then thereby increasing your estrogen and increasing risk of cancer.
1: Yeah. Hmm. So the, only, uh, that's one, the one possible safe uh, method of contraception would be the silver or the gold uh, but they survival don't make but they don't make them uh, is there is there anything else other than natural uh birth control is rhythm a, or method? yeah is
2: fertility awareness method
1: um not too much else huh yeah
3: I think the um the yeah uh, rhythm cycle method hmm. is is the best
1: yeah yeah good okay uh, another caller I think there's two more yep.
3: Signal.
1: hello, you're on the air. Caller, are you there?
0: I think you have something playing in the background. Well, I guess we don't have another caller here, so the lines are open. So give us a call at 923-3911, and we'll continue on with Dr. Pete.
1: Okay, that last uh, last call, I guess, is not there. So, Dr. Pete, um, going on to the other other hormones that I uh, We want to talk about melatonin. Yeah,
2: we want to ask melatonin. you... Melatonin. Oh.
1: What do you think of melatonin? Well, it, it has its
3: own... <clears throat> endocrine problems, it uh, can disturb your progesterone and and thyroid production if Mm -hmm. you take a lot of it, but its function seems to be as um, a way of detoxifying serotonin. uh, The um, trigger that turns uh, the conversion in the pineal gland of serotonin into uh, melatonin, it's the uh, adrenergic stress-related nerves. Uh, During the night, your stress increases from the lack of light, and uh, this adrenergic system uh, causes the the pineal to convert serotonin to um, melatonin. And uh, in general, in various places, melatonin is functioning as an antidote to serotonin. Mm -hmm. So biologically, it's um, evidence that you're... uh, responding to stress with a detoxifying process and uh, the similar the enzymes that exist in the pineal that are activated by the stress can also be found in inflamed joint tissue and in breast cancer for example Mm -hmm. and uh, serotonin is involved in the pathology of both of those situations and so uh, if our enzymes could turn it Uh, more quickly into melatonin, uh, then there would be less of a a serotonin problem.
2: But when people actually take melatonin...
3: Uh, Sometimes it's probably protecting against the circulating serotonin, Mm -hmm. but uh, in itself, in an otherwise uh, healthy person, for example, in the animal studies, it uh, was capable of lowering both progesterone and uh, Mm -hmm. uh, thyroid well, increasing estrogen.
2: So, in the mean in a short-term emergency situation, it could be okay. But again, long-term, it's going to have negative side effects. Uh,
3: yeah, that depends probably on on the person, but it's uh, much safer than the serotonin.
1: Okay. All right. Well, we do have two more callers, so we'll try to try to get through them if we can, and see how we see how we go. You're on the air.
7: Yes.
1: Hi. You're on the air.
7: Hi. Uh,
4: yeah, I take a, a vagi- it's called Vagifem suppository, and it's for you know dryness. And, and but I just looked it looked on the package, and it says it's estradiol. Right.
7: So should I really worry about that? Because I did have a problem with uh, you
3: know like pretty dry.
1: Um. Okay. <laughs> well, Doctor Pete, what would you? Uh...
3: Um. People have been studied who were using uh, vaginal creams, for example, and their blood level of estrogen was um, even higher than some of the oral pills were causing. Uh, So it's definitely a a systemic hormonal influence wherever you put it.
1: Right. So obviously if there's any uh, familial, even if there isn't a familial history, but especially if there is a familial history of any... uh, estrogen uh, cancers, so...
2: So, Dr. Pete, what would you recommend to this lady to use in place of her uh, Um, suppository?
3: I've known several women who had uh, pharmacists make them up uh, suppositories with a fairly high dose of vitamin A and a little vitamin E in cocoa butter or um, other way of introducing it. And the, the vitamin A... Uh, helps
1: to strengthen the membranes and normalize mucus production. Okay. Okay, good. Well, that's a, that's a, a, pretty, uh, a pretty... And
2: in the meantime, if you can't find a pharmacist to make it,
1: yeah, you can do that uh, vitamin
2: A, palmitate, and vitamin E, you can buy those capsules and try that.
7: Okay. Thank All right, well, thank you very much.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. It S- certainly sounds a lot safer than... Uh, yeah, Yeah. what you were using. Okay, good. There's another caller on the line. Hello? Hi, you're the air.
7: Hi. What do you think of the bioidentical hormones in low dose?
1: Hmm. Very suspicious. That come from <laughs> wild yams. And uh-huh.
7: Well, it depends
2: which ones. Are they um, estrogen or are they progesterone?
7: Well, they're, they're the three estrogens, but the estradiol's the lowest. That you know that are compounded by Women's International Pharmacy, but they're from soy and yam, wild yam.
2: And there's no progesterone in there.
7: And there and progesterone also um, from um, vegetable sources, as opposed to the um, synthetic or the animal um, estrogens that pharmaceutical companies use.
2: So, Dr. Pete, what would you recommend to this lady? Well,
7: what is his opinion of the bioidentical
3: hormones? Uh, well, the the, 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 uh, all of the uh, hormones that are bioidentical uh, can have, they, they have to fit into the system in a balanced way, and uh, it's okay to have a physiological amount of, of any of these serotonin, estrogen, melatonin, and so on, but when you supplement uh, estrogen or serotonin, you're most likely increasing something that's already excessive. Uh, the uh, the doctrine of replacement with the um, the natural hormones uh, is building on the uh, the history of the estrogen replacement with synthetic hormones Uh, and what they neglect is that um, as a a woman ages from age 19 to 39, for example, there's a steady average increase in the amount of estrogen in her bloodstream as well as a, a fairly continuous amount of progesterone, which every cycle the estrogen is forced out of the cells all through the body by the rising uh, large amount of uh, progesterone and in the 40s uh, progesterone production is no longer able to fully keep up with this steadily increasing estrogen production with aging and as soon as estrogen as soon as progesterone decreases and can no longer force estrogen out of the cells the blood estrogen level will drop but the estrogen inside the cells will increase uh, publications uh, by uh, some I think they're Norwegians of uh, Batra and others and by uh, uh, Richard Blandau in University of Washington showed that uh, the tissues of old organisms retain much estrogen than the tissues of young animals. And the fact that you don't find it in the blood is simply because estrogen sticks inside the cells in proportion to the deficiency of progesterone.
2: So that was probably the reason why they recommended it is because of low blood levels. And so Dr. Pete's advice would be to not use it.
1: Okay, it's uh, I'm being made aware that it is uh, two minutes to eight o'clock and the show does wrap up at eight o'clock. So thank you for all of those people that have called in um for anyone else who's listening who wants to find out more about dr raymond pete who's our special guest this month his website is very informative it's www.raypeat.com r-a-y-p-e-a-t.com thank you so much dr pete for joining us this evening okay thank you okay thank you and uh, for those listening uh, we can be reached uh, during normal business hours uh, monday through friday uh, we have a uh, number 1888 WBM Herb, which is
2: 18889264372.
1: Okay, so until the same time next month, seven to eight o'clock. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and to those who have ears, let them hear.
2: Thank you.
0: And support for Kmite comes in part from Golden Dragon Medicinal Syrup, an anti-inflammatory, antifungal, antibacterial, antioxidant medicine made without heat or ice. Golden Dragon Medicinal Syrup is organic, edible, topical, cosmetic, and water soluble. Information available at Golden Dragon Medicinal Syrup at gmail.com and by phone at 707-223-1569. We are KMUD Garberville, 91.1 FM, KMUE Eureka Arcata, 88.3 FM, KLAI Laytonville, 90.3 FM, and FM Translator K258BQ Shelter Cove, 99.
6: Please remember that this program is supported by the listener members of Redwood Community Radio. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a member of KMUD or renewing if you've already joined. A regular yearly membership is $50, but we accept any amount. Help us keep free speech alive. Please remember that this program is supported by the listener members of Redwood Community Radio. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a member of KMUD or renewing if you've already joined. A regular yearly membership is $50, but we accept any amount. Help us keep free speech alive. Please remember that this program is supported by the listener members of Redwood Community Radio. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a member of KMUD or renewing if you've already joined. A regular yearly membership is $50, but we accept any amount. Help us keep free speech alive.